I had a swim session I had to get to. And and to me, swimming was still my Achilles heel, so I, I never liked to miss a swim session. And so you said something to convince me not to go to the swim session. And then I said, fine, I'll cancel it. And I felt guilty. And then we started walking and you told me, I, I Jedi mind tricked you, Baba. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Father and Son Podcast, where my father and I discuss anything that's been in our minds lately. In this week's episode, we discuss fitness and how it affects our lives. Hope you enjoy. Hey, Baba. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Alhamdulillah. How are you feeling? I'm feeling good, thanks. How are you feeling? Feeling a little tired, but good. Great. So, in this week's episode, I thought we'd talk about something we've only touched about in other episodes. Okay. And that's fitness. So, fitness has always been a large part of our lives, whether it's been your Ironman or your marathons or me playing soccer at the park or really, it's with our scooter runs we used to do. And I've never, I've always taken it for granted. And I've also, but I've seen like recently families who just, like fitness is not part of their, not part of their lives. So I wanted to talk to you about just fitness. When did you get into fitness? What's your relationship with fitness? Does it, is, does it make you happy? Is it something that you enjoy doing? Just the whole, the whole story. Wow. That's a big question because there is my history, why I got why I got into it, how I got into it. Uh, and then there's the nutrition aspect and the racing aspect. But le- let me start and then you can you can guide me in any way you want. So my history in fitness or in sports is that I was not very good at it. I was not good at soccer or baseball. I remember... I played soccer because my father Baba was a soccer star and so we all played soccer because he was great at soccer and I hated it. I hated it and I hated most more than anything I hated how disappointing I was to him as a soccer player. So he's a perfect at everything kind of guy, and I was very bad at soccer. And in the many years I played, I only scored one. And I scored one that was already going in to the goal anyway. It was a corner kick, and our best player actually effectively hit the ball, and it bent in, and I just threw my whole body. I didn't throw my, I didn't try to head it in or kick it in. I just threw my entire body at the ball and hoped something will hit and get into the into the net and I was credited with that single goal. But even even when I went and and told my father he, who saw it he's like well I was going in anyway. So uh I I I was never really good at sports. Maybe the only sport I was okay at was basketball. And I didn't pay, I didn't play competitively. I just played in the park uh, up the street from us. But your uncle um, 
your uncle was much better than me at sports. He just lent himself to it. Um, and my friends were also very, very athletic. So, yeah, my background isn't such that I was great at sports. But anyway, so I just wanted to kind of first start with that, that although I, I might be fit now or it's a big part of my life, it, it wasn't. I, I was much more interested in playing with my computer, which was very rare back then. It's not like today, but that was that was my sport. And then I had a really close friend of mine named Ahmed Rashid, and he was into weightlifting. And I started in my, I don't remember exactly when, might have been 14, 15, starting to try to weight lift and things like that. I wasn't any good at it. He was very, very good at it. And for some strange reason, I'm not entirely sure wh- why we started following bodybuilding as well, um, which is basically big muscular men in their underwear. <laughs> 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 Pretty much. And uh, we started watch, what, following bodybuilding, and I started trying to lift weights and get stronger. Was Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime when you guys were younger? No, no, that's we're not that old. It was well after Arnold Schwarzenegger. No. So actually, it, the the guy that was really big when we were young, Ahmed and I, was a guy named Dorian Yates, and he was the first of the mass monsters, as they called. And... Um, and then I, I, throughout college, I, I would lift here and there. I gained the freshman 15, which is the 15 pounds every freshman gains because they're eating a lot of crap. And then that, that was pretty much it. I, I didn't really do anything after that. So your love of being fit definitely doesn't come from your childhood or your early 20s. Not at all. <laughs> really not at all. I was just not, if you were, I was not a fit person. Mm-hmm. And you didn't have abs. I definitely didn't have abs. And my lack of abs continued to grow as I got married and I started to eat more crap. And I remember when we got married, we just ate a lot of garbage for a very long time to the point when I was, I don't remember exactly when, but I had gained something like 75 pounds in our first year of marriage. Wow. Yeah, That's 75 75 pounds. I gained so much weight so fast that I still have stretch marks all over my arms. And Those are, that's what that's from? That's from that, from gaining so much weight. It's not like I was fat before I got married. I was okay. I was normal, mm-hmm. skinny fat. And then we got married, and we discovered that you can eat whatever you want in the New Jersey diner. And we're married now, so it's not like we have to ask anybody's permission. Mm-hmm. So you have these basically two kids that can that have credit cards and freedom, mm-hmm. and we're eating basically crap all the time. And so yeah, I gained a ton of weight, and I kept that weight on like a champ mm-hmm. until Ahmed Rashid, the same bodybuilder, saw me. I don't remember when he's like, "Whoa, you look terrible." <laughs> At this point, he was competing. He was actually competing. In like in bodybuilding competitions, or uh, bodybuilding and in powerlifting. Wow, I I thought those were two very different things. I thought powerlifters were very not cut. Bodybuilders are not they're they're strong but not as strong. So it must have been tough to do both. He did both, and he was very cut and and very very strong. And so you know when you see. 
sometimes you see a picture of yourself and you think, wow, how do I let myself get this way? In this case, I didn't really know how fat I got. It wasn't he his shock is what really made me realize how fat I got. Mm -hmm. And just to give you a sense, I went from size 32 waist when I got married to something like 42, 44. And he, he gave me a diet that they used or bodybuilders used to cut, which mm -hmm. was called the fruit and fish diet. So you only eat fruit and fish. That's it. Fruit and fish. And I went on that and I lost a lot of weight. How quickly? I don't really remember, but I want to say like in a couple of months, I'd lost like 40 pounds or something like that. Mm -hmm. And so that was m probably my first ever r attempt at a diet. Mm -hmm. And I've tried them all, but that was my first one, the fruit and fish diet. And I lost weight and I coupled it. I didn't just, wasn't just dieting. I was also lifting weights and doing a bit of running for the first time, just on a treadmill mm -hmm. because bodybuilders also do cardio. But then I didn't really do much until we moved to London. And that's what started the next phase of my... How old were you then? When I moved to London? Yeah. It was 2006. So, so you were 26? 28. So until you were 28, you'd really not done much to do with... Like you, hadn't, you, were, you weren't already running marathons or half marathons, or even like miles around the block. None of that. None of that. Um, until it was the following year, 2007... And at this point, our move to London did something that I ha also hadn't done before, which is work a, a lot and be stressed about work a lot and had a lot to prove to myself as the American coming to London. And so I was really, really stressed. I was overweight. I wasn't sleeping well. I was regaining the weight I was losing. Mm -hmm. I was hyper-caffeinated, drank a lot of coffee to get me through the day. And then a year later is when I met the person that started me on a different trajectory fitness-wise. Mm -hmm. And who was that? That was my boss, Graham. And how did he get you on? How did he get you on this trajectory to start being fit? He, I think, noticed that I was stressed. I think. I've never really spoken to him about it. But the reason, the real thing that triggered it was... He had mentioned something I'd never heard of before called the Iron Man. I had never heard of this thing called Iron Man. And he was a new manager. And and in one of our conversations, he mentioned this thing. I said, what is this thing called Iron Man? He said, uh, it's uh, a swim and a bike and a run. And already, before he even told me anything else, that sounded crazy to me because I didn't know how to swim. When I say I didn't know how to swim, I didn't know how to swim at all. I couldn't. No doggy paddling, no. I, I mean, I could doggy. I, if, if you threw me in a deep end, I could probably doggy paddle to the other side. But I, I didn't know how to swim. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I could probably survive. Yeah. And so he then he told me an Ironman is a swim. And he mentioned uh, two kilometer swim, 90 kilometer bike and 21 kilometer run. So I translated those into miles. And to me, that was just absolutely insane. This is a half Mario. That's a half Iron yeah. Man. That's what he had done, but he told me I didn't do the full. So I said, "What? What? What's the full?" He's like, "The full's a double, double all of that." Mm -hmm. So a full is four kilometer swim, a hundred and eighty kilometer bike, and then a four, basically a full marathon or forty two kilometers. And that just I told him what people tell me now, which is funny to hear me tell the story. My initial reaction was in one day. 
And that that's the pe- the reaction people tell me is like, yes, I guess in one day that was his response. But he hadn't done the full. Mm-hmm. He had only done the half. The half. So I told him, then you're not an Iron Man. You're an Iron Boy. <laughs> <laughs> that must that must have made him really happy to be called the Iron Boy. I mean, he was he's a fun he's a fun and funny guy, so he he didn't mind. But what made him mind is once I have a thing, one of my pet quirks is once I have a thing, I just don't stop with that thing mm-hmm. so i just kept on calling him iron boy and it must have gotten annoying over a while i'm sure it got annoying and so he told me he's like look let me make you a deal why don't you register for a half marathon and i'll register for a full iron man and if you don't want to do that then just be quiet basically mm-hmm. he said shut up and there might have been an expletive in there in the middle of the shut up mm-hmm. and so i said uh okay he said go do it right now go register right now and show me which had a lasting impact on me Mm -hmm. this idea of registering for something before you were ready is something i continue doing i continue to do until today Mm -hmm. and so i went and i went i googled and i found a website called runnersworld.co.uk and i looked a couple of months into the future and i found the dover half marathon and i registered for it and i showed it to him and then he told me he registered for Ironman Nice. He had probably already registered for it. Yeah, but he was just <laughs> getting you to do something as well. Yeah. And so I said, okay, I'm registered. I said, what's first? What do I do first? He said, just go and run a slow mile. It's a really slow mile. How slow is this mile? Like 10-minute mile? or Probably 10-minute and you just left the office and went and ran. No, no, th- I, I waited till the weekend. Oh. <laughs> I didn't I thought, just, I didn't this whole time, I thought you just left the office and went around the block. And no, no, back. I didn't leave the, uh, I didn't leave the office immediately in my work shoes. Yeah, uh, no. And so that weekend, I went to Regents Park, which was up the street from where we lived, where we used to live. Yeah, where, where we used to live exactly. And I ran a slow mile, and it was. Sl- and I asked him, "How do I know it's slow?" He said, "You should be able to talk to somebody. Slow enough to be able to talk to somebody." So I went to Regent's Park and I ran a mile probably in 10 minutes. But then I felt like I could do more. But he said, no, just do one mile. And so I spoke to him the following week. I said, what do I do next? He said, go to the same park and run two miles. And so what I did for 13 weeks is every week add an additional mile. And one week was enough time to recover and add enough stamina to do a mile? I guess for the then 29-year-old version of myself, yes. Eventually, once I got to three miles or so, I started doing another three miles during the week at at office, at the office. So like another 5K at the office during lunch. Mm -hmm. And that became my routine. Add an an additional mile, add an additional mile until we showed up to Dover Dover for the Dover Half Marathon. What I didn't know being American is that the cliffs of Dover, the white cliffs of Dover, it's very hilly. It's very hilly. I had just only looked at the day as my only criteria. I didn't even look at the terrain, look how flat or hilly, etc. And so I ran my first half marathon up and down hills. I had a backward baseball cap on and I looked like a wannabe rapper running a half marathon. <laughs> and... um I was in a lot of pain, but there's something that I should say. Before the half marathon, I told your mother, I don't feel well. I feel sick. Maybe I should put this off. And I turns out 
I ended up doing that in almost every major race. The sense that I'm really sick, I don't feel well, I should put it off. It was all my nerves. Yeah, just nerves. Yeah, and so she got used to in the races after that, just say, oh, just be quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not sick. You're going to do this to you. And so, yeah, that started, and I'll fast forward from there. This was your first incursion into the fitness world, into running. and So when did you find your optimal balance between life and fitness whether it be gym or running or cycling when when the whole the whole fitness aspect when did you find the right balance between family and have you found the right balance between family and fitness the two f's yeah to talk about when i found balance you have to talk about how i was imbalanced so during that before and after the half marathon my priority became work was work it was to move up the corporate ladder. I never knew why all of a sudden I had this drive. Maybe it's because when I went to London for the first time in Akira, I felt like I wasn't good. I was below everybody else. The Europeans are just smarter. The Europeans are smarter. They dress better. I just felt like a dork. You know, I just felt, no, dork is, I felt like a loser. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I had this. This drive to become better or to prove yourself to them. Yeah, it proved myself to them and then to become the best. And then once I started that flywheel, I never stopped it. I never stopped to consider why am I continuing? So I did become highly rated and respected and I wanted promotions and more bonuses and all of those kinds of things. And so that was my first imbalance. So that was my first priority and my family was my second priority. Then what happened was I caught this fitness bug and I really loved it. And you didn't ask me or I didn't mention why I loved it so much. It wasn't just a sense of accomplishment. Is that when I ran, I would enter this meditative process. And after the run, I'd feel really good and really clear. I could be stressed going in and going out. I'd feel fantastic. So it was this hit of dopamine plus clarity plus kind of meditation so i also became addicted to that feeling of clarity and so then i ran the half marathon ran the marathon ran did the half iron man then the iron man then this almost consumed my life in a sense i had coaches and the coaching plans became really important to me the coaching plans became really important to me and i wouldn't miss a session as if i was training for the olympics and then I introduced this further imbalance where I'd say my top two priorities were work and then endurance athletics and family was after that. But I didn't know at the time that my family wasn't an actual priority. Did you notice any, like we were all young, we weren't like teenagers back then. Did you notice any deterioration, like your kids, I mean, did you notice any deterioration in your family life at all? Did you, like, did did, did the family, was your time you spent with the family just not as enjoyable anymore like it isn't like it is in the movies when the main character is going through some some strife at work or whatever and all of a sudden he becomes distant from his family is it the same thing or you just didn't notice anything different I, did, I don't remember I, anything I, from did, this. I didn't notice anything different because you're in it but i now know looking back at that time that even when i was with with the family i wasn't thinking of the family i was looking at my blackberry that's the thing we used back then mm-hmm. I was thinking about work. I 
wasn't really focused on the family. And it's not like, it's not like, uh, you just, you know, Bubba's at work. Yeah. Bubba's training. There's certain things that, certain things I remember that I, di- I did feel guilty about. Like when we were in Ealing, at this point we had moved to Ealing and I had a swim session I had to get to. And, and to me, swimming was still my Achilles heel, so I, I never liked to miss a swim session. And so you said something to convince me not to go to the swim session. And then I said, fine, I'll cancel it. And I felt guilty. And then we started walking and you told me, I, I Jedi mind tricked you, Baba. <laughs> 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 and so, yeah, there's things like that. But you, you just don't think. You think, well, work, I have to work. Because you tell yourself stories. I have to work to feed my family. Yeah. As, as, as if I need to work in an investment bank and work all these hours to feed my family. I could work much less and still feed my family. Mm-hmm. But you just, they're just... It's, it's a lie that you sell it to yourself. It's, not, it's just a story you tell yourself. And I have to train. I have to train. It's another... You don't have to do anything. You don't have to train. You have to breathe. Mm-hmm. And, and so definitely there was a new variable that created more imbalance. But the good thing is that my focus on fitness allowed caused me to focus less on work. Mm-hmm. Gave you I, I, didn't, I didn't drop the ball. I just stressed about it less. It became, a, in many ways, I became much more effective at work because I wasn't so emotionally invested in it. And when... I got was your qu- original question. When did I achieve balance? Yeah, what is that? Ba- no, that, I mean that's a part of it. But when did when did you discover what the true like the right balance was for you? When did I discover what the right balance? I I don't no, know. Not even when, but what is the right? What is the optimal balance for you between lo- family and fitness? Yeah, I, it's not. I, I'm not entirely sure. I I've discovered that. I think it was after the first Ultraman when when the failed attempt at the ultraman when i discovered what the right balance could be but i ha- i it's it's like experimenting with a diet you have to keep on trying and trying and trying different things until you realize what works for you and what works for me is and we mentioned this in, in the previous podcast is integrating my family into what i do work-wise and fitness-wise that's the secret sauce of how I found balance is the realization that's impossible to balance. Mm-hmm. Once you realize you cannot balance, it's like juggling. We talked about this metaphor before. Yeah. It's juggling three balls. It's okay. It's okay when you're juggling three tiny balls. But if you're trying to juggle three cars, <laughs> it's one, one's going to hit you on the head. Yeah. And so my the way in which I found balance to do all of these things is to integrate my family into my into those things. And rather than rather than my family being a source of constant headache for work and for fitness, if I integrate them into both, then it doesn't matter how big my goals get. Like scooter runs. Yeah, like scooter runs. Like you coming with me to to the pool, like Sulefa coming and counting my laps. For some reason, she liked to do that. 
uh, hour long hours long turbo train in the living room while you, while you're all around me and then you being my crew in the ultraman for example and so that's how i that's how i discovered my balance is that it's impossible to have balance at least for me so one thing we didn't discuss is you talked about your nutri- your not having a great diet before when did your diet start to change was it immediately after you moved to london because it's not as easy to get fat in london or when did you when did you start to focus more on your diet once you and get, what is your opt what is what is your optimal not diet but nutritional plan look like what do you what are you eating so uh, once you get into the ultra world the ultra running ultra marathon world there is a fixation on diet and so that's when i started really learning about diets so the ultra running scene is really into diets and so you have a bunch of figures and many of them are vegans or plant powered as i like to say like rich roll for example and so i start learning a lot about being plant powered and veganism and things like um inflammation and and so I started reading about this whole, and getting into this whole new world of nutrition and gut bacteria and microbiomes and all this kind of stuff. And I started introducing a whole lot more vegetables, even to the ex- point where I did go vegan, mom and I, for a while, for a couple of months, trying to go completely vegan because people were saying how amazing you feel if you just eat vegetables. Did you feel amazing? I actually don't remember. I, I think I felt better, but I didn't feel... Like they said, I would feel. Mm-hmm. And I tried a bunch of things. I tried the pescatarian diet because that's what another ultra runner. Guess th- fish, vegetables, but no meat? That's, yeah. You most Your source of protein is fish. Mm-hmm. And I really liked that diet. I liked getting my calories from fish and plants. That really worked well for me. And once you start running ultras which is anything over a marathon and you clean your diet you see something really amazing which is basically a six-pack you you get into great shape Mm -hmm. you just become lean you become very lean and you're like whoa i'm not a fat guy anymore whoa what's that (laughs) you know and so there's this cycle reinforcing loop this reinforcing loop of wow i'm getting in better shape and uh, you eat better and you start you start extracting more happiness from being in shape and how you feel and how you look than from what a chocolate cake can give give you they use much more dopamine from the other one than from eating like crap Mm -hmm. and then as you eat healthier and healthier and healthier and then you go have five guys for example you will feel actually terrible it no longer makes you feel happy. Just it messes you up both mentally and physically. Yeah, you feel terrible. And so I started experimenting with a whole bunch of different things and supplements and joint supplements and super green whatever and superfoods, anything that was superfoods. And I became super healthy. And the more you do it, the less you need junk food to the point now where junk food really doesn't do it for me. I I love certain things. I I love the really good cheeseburger. I love a great dark chocolate tart, but I don't need it. Mm -hmm. You don't crave it. 
Sometimes I do. I don't want to say I don't, but it's not something I need. I can have it once a month, for example. And so, yeah, that's that's my relationship with nutrition. How about you? What's your current relationship with nutrition? My current my current relationship with nutrition is attempting to eat anything that I think will help me get bigger. So either that be eggs or... I'm not saying I actually do this. I'd say I try to, but I'll try to eat, I try to eat a lot of eggs. So eggs, when I say eat, eat a lot of protein, I'm just eating like a tons of eggs. And I, I'm at the, I'm at a point where I am just trying to get, gain mass. And I'm trying to do it without, I don't use, I don't really use supplements. I don't, I, I'll maybe drink a protein shake once once in every once every two weeks you want to get big i'm I'm trying to get big how big do you want to get what's what's the goal like like people that we know goal or no just wait Uh, right now i'm 161 which for some people is really good but for me it's not because i'm 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 a little taller than most people and it doesn't look big on me so i think maybe 175 180 180 so you just want to be big and muscular yeah I can understand that. Because right now, I just feel skinny. You are, Yeah, you are skinny. No, don't say that. Say you're big. Say you're big. You're very big. Yeah, exactly. But I want to get to... I want to get to like 180 maybe. Because right now, I have... The, I, I feel like I have the strength. Like I can... I, I'm still I'm still working on it, but I'm right now, I'm trying to get the look as well. Because I have the strength. I can... I, I can... I can squat. I can bench press. I can do... I can do the same way as most people. But I'm trying to get the look as well. That's fine. I can't. Um, I can't say anything because I've been there, and I also lift weights. And you have the look. Well, I, I don't know if I have the look. No, you have the look. I don't know if I have the look, but thank you. No problem. Um, but yeah, I can tell you the look that you desire comes from eating. Your your problem is. You eat too much crap, and you need to l- eat cleaner. Not just because it's healthier; it is healthier for you, and it'll, it'll improve your recovery. But yeah, you need cleaner protein, carbs, and less refined garbage. And you need to limit the junk food to once a week, mm-hmm. if that's your goal. But then your metabolism, your metabolism right now is also firing in all cylinders that too will slow down and eventually the crap that you eat is just gonna find itself on your body somewhere so what would what would be a good what would say tell me tell me what my day diet should look like what should i be eating in a day from morning for bre- from breakfast lunch and dinner so do you want me to tell you what i think you should eat or what you should eat to achieve your goals of getting big What's the difference between those two? The goals of getting really big, I think, is not a great goal. But it's a goal I understand, so I'm not going to tell you not to get big. I understand the drive to become big and muscular and fill out a shirt and all of those things and have big biceps. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to tell you oh, you should have better goals. And If your goal is that, then you need to eat more. If you watch the old bodybuilding videos, even the new bodybuilding videos, and you ask the, you see the bodybuilders, they don't complain about the lifting weights. They love to lift weights. They complain about how much they have to eat, that they eat five to six to seven meals a day. 
and it's non-stop eating. And to me, that's what you need to get big, but also, I don't think the human body is built for constantly eating. I think we need to enter long periods of fasts. And so there's a balance here for health and longevity. There was There's a longevity doctor that's very, very popular named Peter Atia. He has a podcast called The Drive. And he's constantly talking about all of these different supplements and medicines you can take to increase your lifespan. Metformin and all these fancy mushrooms, cordyceps mushrooms, etc., and these different, all these different supplements that he prescribes his his um, uh, athletes, his athletes, and in one podcast he said, "There's nothing better than two things: fasting, and sleep, and good sleep." So you, you're going to have to, at one point in your life, create your own balance. So what I'm trying to do in my life now is eat less, long periods of time where you're not eating. But that's antithetical to people who are trying to get as big as possible. So you want to get as big as possible, you need to eat as cleanly as you can, as much high-quality protein as you can. All right. What about the mental aspect of fitness? How, how do you think fitness affects you mentally? How, d- does it make you happier? Does it put you in a better mental state? How does it affect you? Yeah, Definitely. You'll see if I'm in a bad mood, your mother will tell me to go for a run. You definitely, and I always feel better after a run or a bike or a swim. I can go in feeling like terrible, like garbage, and come out feeling like a million bucks, like I can do anything, conquer anything. Even I have a protocol before I give a speech. Giving speeches scare me, you know, getting up in front of an audience, etc. And so... I have a protocol, and part of the protocol before a speech is going for a run. And no matter how cold or if it's raining, I will go for a run before a speech or before a big event in my life. It does something to Calm my circuitry. It, not just, it, it calms me down, but also makes me feel I can do anything. And so there's a big psychological component. And then the other thing is that when you go from my background of not being very fit, to finishing an Ironman or, or the Marathon de Sable or the Ultraman, then you realize you can do anything. It just needs time and dedication and commitment. You can really do anything. So it starts... It's an ego booster. It's You can call it ego booster. It's a, a healthy com- ego booster. It's a confidence booster. It's If you remember Amr, he, all, he was even less fit than me. And this past year, I paced him to finish his first Ironman, half Ironman in Turkey. And he was he's in his 50s. He has multiple slip discs, overweight, out of shape. And then within less than a year, he does an Ironman. And you should have seen him afterwards. He felt like he could conquer the world. And in the business world, he had already conquered the world, or at least his part of the world. So yeah, it does something to your psychology. It, just on a practical level, it's like moving meditation. You feel a lot better after a session. So I've been thinking about something you said in the beginning. You said you were never good at team sports. You never enjoyed them, right? Yeah. Do you think that's because 
when you do sports like the sports you're doing, which is running, you don't, you don't, not nobody's depending on you. You're, you're depending on yourself. Do you think an aspect is the, of of your not liking team sports is that you don't want to have to have people's hopes on you? You can, ha- you, you don't need. Nobody's counting on you. Nobody needs you to score a goal or stop a goal from going in or tackle somebody. All you, the only person to depend on, or and the only person that's depending on you is yourself. Is that an aspect of it? You don't want people to have to, to be depending on you because that's, that's a, the added pressure. That's a really good question and one that I think about. Why do I get scared of team sports, or why do I shy away from team sports? I think. I wasn't good under pressure. Whether it's the pressure I put on myself and my teammates, I shied away from the ball. I, I didn't want the ball. Whereas you see other people like you know, Michael Jordan in the last dance. Pass, pass. Yeah, give me the ball, give me the ball. I'm like, no, I'm okay not having the ball. Whereas some of my friends desperately wanted the ball, even if they're going to miss it. And I remember in basketball, I'd have more skill than other people i just during the game didn't want the ball you don't want the spotlight on you yeah not for ego reasons i didn't want the pressure mm-hmm. and in practice i'd be amazing when i'm just shooting at the park by myself I, I'm, I'm i'm michael jordan not michael jordan i don't like him <laughs> clyde drexler who's he's that like, he's my fa- he was my favorite player back then and but yeah, there's it's a good question because I never enjoyed the pressure of team sports. And even now you don't enjoy you don't you still you still don't enjoy them, right? I, I don't play them. I don't take part in team sports. The closest thing I do to team sports, and I don't even know if you can call it a team sport, is group riding. I mean but that's not the same thing. I mean, if you're really slow, then you feel that same pressure. But if you're fine, then it's not the same thing at all. So for our final question to end off for today, how long do you think you're going to continue this? This whole, how, what what age are you just going to stop and be like, all right, I'm an old Hamlin now. I'm just going to sit in my armchair and that's the end for me. Is there is there going to be that age? You're just going to keep going and as for as long as you can physically. Oh yeah, I'll, my plan is to keep going as long as I can physically, and I'm trying to do things now to ensure that I can, if that's what's written for me. So I am not pushing myself as hard as I used to on the runs and the, the sessions. I'm stretching a lot more. I'm focusing on vitamins uh, and and supplementation that helps me recover. Even a lot of the su- my supplementation is about recovery and long longevity, etc. I- I'd like, if I'm still alive, to be running marathons when I'm in my 80s. Yeah, like the Indian Sikh who who he's ran marathons at 100. For yeah, the, I don't know if he was 100. Yeah, yeah, he was 103 or We met him, right? At yeah, the him, Sikh, yeah. Sikh for London or something like that. It was like... yeah. Seeks in the city. Seeks in the city. That was yeah, that city, was great. Yeah, yeah you ra- you ran as well. Yeah, you made me run. I mean, it was a lot of fun though. That was yeah, yeah. the seeks in the city. Yeah, I I'd like to run. I'd like to be doing these things as long as I can. I I want to be able to outrun my grandkids, and to outswim my grandkids, and out outbike my grandkids. 
that would make me happy. All right, on that note, I think that's a nice place to end. Thanks, Bubba.